When the coronavirus has us all indoors in self-isolation, cabin fever has slowly started to creep in, and I know everyone is getting a little antsy. Keeping away from others goes against our social impulse we as humans have, but it is a necessary undertaking in order to flatten the curve as the term is now being used. We have to remind ourselves when looking outside our windows and seeing empty streets when they would normally be busy and bustling that that's a good thing. It might look scary, but that's the behavior that will bring us to victory against this virus. When watching television, playing video games, and reading books has become repetitive and stale, podcasts can be another refuge. Staring at the ceiling, listening to voices in the ether can be the company and comfort one needs to get through the day. I know I've been on the road, far from home, feeling homesick, and a podcast can take me away for a little while. Maybe that's why you're listening to this podcast already. Well, hopefully I don't disappoint you with today's episode. If you're a KISS fan, I don't think you'll be disappointed because, yes, KISS fans, it's another KISS debate with my friend Daniel Decay, lead guitarist for Exciter, lead guitarist for Diamonds, and co-host for the Shredders of Metal show, and pretty much all-around host for Banger TV. I can't think of anyone more qualified than Daniel to debate KISS. Our two past debates on the band were met with much response, so we've risen to the bait and done a third installment. We hardly agree on anything when it comes to the band, except for the fact that we love them. The hottest band in the land? KISS. Our first debate on episode number 196 was Kiss's Destroyer. Daniel was a fan of the record, while I finally publicly admitted to not really liking it. Our second debate on episode number 206 was Kiss's Love Gun, where I defended the album, and Daniel admitted to not being its biggest fan. So, now, here we are, our third debate. But this time, we aren't debating an entire Kiss album, but rather, one song. Yes, this episode, Daniel Decay and I debate the song I Still Love You off of Kiss's Creatures of the Night. Daniel loves the song. I do not love the song. I hope your interest is now piqued. To be completely honest, I don't think either one of us thought this idea could last for a complete episode. But being the KISS fans that we are, this episode ended up being the most interesting and the one where we really flex our KISS fandoms, albeit in opposite directions. I also want to state here that this being Daniel's third appearance on the podcast, he now becomes the newest member of the Black Coffee Brigade. The Black Coffee Brigade is the podcast's uh, club, if you will. It's kind of a podcast club. Any guest who's appeared on here three or more times gets in. Members include Don Jameson, Jason McMaster, Marty Friedman, Damian Abraham, Nick Flanagan, Duff McKagan, Jim Rhoda, Brendan Canning, Wade McNeil, Barrett Martin. I'm probably missing one or two people, but I'm sure they'll pop up on here again. So in the meantime, congrats to Daniel Decay. Like I stated on social media already, I'm going to be doing this podcast weekly for the foreseeable future, at least until life gets back to normal for all of us. Partly to keep me busy and partly to whosoever listens to this podcast to keep listening. I've been doing it bi-weekly for the last seven years, so this will be pretty fast and furious for me. I've been doing this podcast since 2011, really, nine years of doing this, uh, and it's been free to download and subscribe in all that time. 
So after you listen to this episode, another one will be firing at you in a few days' time. Now, in the meantime, stay indoors as much as possible. Stay away from the elderly for their sake. Stay clean. Be cool to grocery store and medical workers because they are the real heroes. Okay, here we go. KISS fans and non-KISS fans, I hope you enjoy this because Daniel Decay is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. It's better get his Danko's go out to love for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Give me in from fucked up. Stop playing hangs out. Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast! You motherfuckers! It's fucking great! It fucking slays! Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast! You motherfuckers! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts now! Yeah, hello. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Uh, as good as everyone else, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... Uh... I promised myself that I would have this entire phone call with you while not saying the I word or the Q word and just pretend everything is normal. Right. Well, you know, you and I would be doing this face to face if it wasn't for the I and the Q word. Um, but here we are. We're, we're doing this anyways. And, uh, you know, actually yesterday I saw someone comment. Um, I think it was on Instagram saying uh, – you know, you and Daniel Decay should get together and do another. Well, should talk, do another Kiss podcast. I don't know about getting together, but here we are. Whether people knew it or not, we had this idea to do this third installment of our Kiss debate series months ago. Right. Um, I don't remember how this idea came about, but uh, it must have been you. You're the one with all the great ideas. As soon as it came up, I was I was super stoked on it. <laughs> I'm just all well. The only thing is, I'm I'm sniffing around to see if you disagree with me on anything kiss related, and bam, we got a podcast, dude. I, I you know what? It's funny you say that. I I can always tell when I'm talking to you. I see like that inquisitive look on your face. You're you're listening to everything I say very carefully because you're just waiting <laughs> for me to slip up and say something you don't agree with. You you found me out, man, and and uh, this is. This is a, a bone of contention between the two of us yet again. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be here unless we, we found a bone to pick with each other. And I was thinking, you know, I'm glad we did the second debate. The first debate was you liked Kiss's Destroyer. I didn't. And then the second one was I liked Love Gun. You didn't. So um, I, I guess now the ball is in my court. Or maybe in your court, actually, but uh, you like something of Kiss that I don't. Um, and that's the one song. We debated two whole albums last time. 
We're going to debate one song of Kiss that you like or love and that I dislike or hate. And that song is I Still Love You by Kiss off the Creatures of the Night soundtrack from 1982. Daniel Decay, you love this song. Me, not so much. And, you know, you're you're crazy. And I, I it blows my mind every time we chat is that two people can love a band so much and yet not see eye to eye on such important matters as loving this incredible Paul Stanley ballad. I would argue by far one of the best Kiss ballads. And yet Danko Jones, the, the rock and roll master, doesn't respect I Still Love You. Well, and I say to you, Daniel Decay, um, axe slinger, uh, metal god, uh, you like all things heavy. And why are you arguing for a ballad that is, ballads are not heavy. Ballads are not metal. Ballads don't belong in hard rock. Oh, oh, well, I think that's a loaded statement right there. Ballads <laughs> don't belong in hard rock. Okay, let's back it up a minute here, Danko. Um, you're supposed to be on Team Paul, buddy. This is this is Paul Stanley at his vocal peak. This is Paul Stanley at some of his songwriting peak. He starts writing with Vinnie Vincent. They come up with this incredible ballad. I mean, there's literally nothing more relatable than a Paul Stanley breakup song. Um, I agree with you on the Vinnie Vincent pa uh, songwriting pairing. I think the two worked amazing, and it's actually really uh, tragic that they couldn't continue. And, and you know, each side has their own version of it, but uh, it's too bad they couldn't continue on it. And they have, actually. Uh, they kept trying and trying, and every time they tried, it, it, it resulted in great, great songs. Um but uh, I don't like ballads, so it doesn't—it doesn't have anything to do with me being on Team Paul because I am. Um, I, I just don't like ballads. Now, I, there's two concessions I have to make. I do have—I realized in researching this topic, I had a small list of favorite ballads that I realized <laughs> I liked. <laughs> I did come up with a list, and. We've written two ballads. Wow. So that that remains um, my Achilles heel. I, you can always kind of get me on that. And I, I'm, I will come out and say I don't like those songs. I don't I really don't like them. So um, but the Paul Stanley ballads. OK, so let's backtrack here. You know, Kiss, arguably their biggest song or in the top three would be Beth, right? Oh Beth. God, are we really going down this road? Yeah. yeah we got to go back here. So Beth is, is the, the song that got them, you know, more exposure outside of the kiss army to the point they were picking up awards in mainstream media, et cetera, et cetera. This is this, this, this kind of, uh, what would you call this? Um, albatross. Mm-hmm has haunted KISS since. And since then, I think individual members have tried to regain um, that, that medal, that trophy 
the glory that Beth, uh, they, they tasted with Beth. And Paul Stanley and Peter Chris are the two members that constantly try to take a stab at, you know, the Beth throne, if you will. And Paul Stanley has a long list, as does Peter Chris, a long list of ballads that fall short of Beth. Now, again, okay, a third concession. Hard Luck Woman is one of the best Kiss songs ever. Um, it's really good. It's really good. Um, Paul hit it out of the park, and he should have stayed with Hard Luck Woman and not, you know, hedged his bets on more. And and it just got, kept getting worse and worse and worse. I Still Love You bothers the hell out of me. Because unlike the other ballads he wrote later on in the 80s, I Still Love You ruined a perfect album. You have eight killer, hard rock, energetic, hard rock songs on Creatures of the Night. And then you have this like snoozer in the middle of it. Daniel Decay, your thoughts. Uh, I mean, I was wondering how we were going to make an entire podcast out of one <laughs> song. And it's just become incredibly apparent to me that this might be the longest chat we've ever had about Kiss. Uh, so... Uh, Mr. Danko, uh, ballads don't belong in rock and roll. Jones, who also has two of his own ballads, "Hard Luck Woman," <laughs> is, is his favorite Kiss song. No, let one, me, one of them, one of them. Top, top ten, top ten. Uh, let's let's agree on a couple things. Uh, Creatures of the Night, uh, by far, in my top, I'll go top five Kiss records ever. Yeah, uh, agreed. Same here. Love the album. It's really a return to hard rock after. Uh, what were generally accepted as two snoozer records, Unmasked and Elder. By the way, I enjoy both of those, but I mean, they were at the lowest point of their popularity. Tours were getting canceled. Album sales were at an all-time low. So this record's very important for the return to hard rock. Um, ironically, yes, we've got uh, towards the second half of the album, we have I Still Love You. Um, but I don't think it's a low point on the album at all. I, I don't even equate it to the same type of ballad that Beth is. For me, Beth is like a very pull at the heartstrings, uh, big orchestra, big weird, like very out of character sounding ballad for Kiss. Like, and of course, it was going to have mainstream success. Listen to it; it doesn't sound anything like our favorite band. Um, I think "I Still Love You" at its core is still a rock and roll song, and it's still very Paul Stanley. Um, I don't think it, it's, I don't think it's a black sheep on this record at all. I think it flows great, um, between, you know, the bombastic, I love it loud and killer, which is another amazing Vinnie Vincent co-write, uh, with Gene Simmons. Um, dude, I, I, I really don't see how you're going to walk out of this one unscathed. I, I think that you are going at the end of this, you're going to be cranking all three versions of, <laughs> I still love you. The Creatures version, the Alive 3 version, and the Unplugged version by the time we're done this chat. The reason why I'm not is because I simply don't have time. And when I'm, what I mean by that is I Still Love You is six minutes and six seconds. No ballad should be over six minutes. That is torturous. That is like, who do you think you are? I mean, I can barely take a three-minute song. Like, even the ballads I like are, are, you know, barely hit four minutes, if that. And you're asking me to listen to a Kiss song, which usually, come on, man, 
like all the older songs, they're like they clock in at three, three and a half, maybe four minutes, and we're good. I don't want more. I, I didn't think- want the first three minutes of this song, and Paul gives me three more minutes. You know, it's funny to hear you say that the song is six minutes long because I had no idea it was six minutes long because I never catch myself wondering when the song's going to end. I I think that it's one of those magical six-minute songs that just has to be six minutes long. And the ultimate tell on that is that it doesn't feel like it's six minutes long. No, it feels like it's 60 (laughs) minutes long. (laughs) Um. Nah, man, there's honestly, and even when they play it live and there's like the little extended vocal break for Paul to show off a little bit more towards the end, like you you can extend this song for as long as you want. I honestly, I mean, I I would go as far as to say, I don't know if there's a better Kiss ballad, uh, a Kiss Paul ballad. I will I will uh, backpedal because I really do like Hard Luck Woman as well. Yeah. Um, for me, Beth was always just the weird song on the A side of Detroit Rock City. Uh, because it, it was on the single, it was the single. But uh, I, I think that, I think that this might be my favorite Kiss Paul ballad. I don't know if I can name a single better one. Uh, in terms of Paul ballads or just Kiss ballads, I Paul mean, Paul ballads, man. Because like hard, I mean, Paul wrote "Hard Luck Woman" and Peter sang it, so I mean, it fitted his voice to a T. He's got more of that Rod Stewart kind of timber in his voice. It's it's perfect. Uh, I think if Paul sang "Hard Luck Woman," "Hard Luck Woman" would be in the category of "I Still Love You" right now. So I I I I, uh, I think we both agree on "Hard Luck Woman," um, and. Uh, to be honest, I mean, uh, running down the list of all the other Paul Stanley uh, ballads that he later did in the decade, um, it's terrible because it's six minutes. And the other songs, like, for example, um, Reason to Live off Crazy Nights, four minutes. Forever, which was a big one for them, off Hot in the Shade, three minutes, 50 seconds. And Every Time I Look at You off Revenge, four minutes and 40 seconds. Um Let's not even get into The Elder. I mean, A World Without Heroes, even though it clocks in at two two minutes and 40 seconds, it's a gene ballad, which, first of all, gene ballad, those two words, they should not coexist together. <laughs> and, and that is not two minutes and 40 seconds. It's 24 hours. Yeah. You got to move the, the decimal point. Well, good morning. And, that's, uh, a, that's a really, really bad one. Uh, yeah, gene, gene ballads, perhaps we can see eye to eye on that. Um but I don't know, man, like even even Shandy and I think, you know, you mentioned every time I look at you, which is absolutely, I think, a cheesier version of this song. I think it's got way worse lyrics than um, I still love you. But uh, like Shandy doesn't do it for me. Reason to live. It's got all that like heavy, like Desmond Child cheese on it, like all that synth and the overproduction. It's more of like a power, like a heavy power ballad. Um I don't know. None of them do it emotionally the way that I still love it. Uh, I still love you does it for me. Um, you've got like the lyrics that are incredibly relatable. I can't tell you the amount of times I've listened to this song after the uh, supposed love of my life might walk out the door. Um, obviously, I immediately follow that with Burn Bitch Burn, but that's another story. Um, you've got Paul at his absolute vocal peak. I don't think that you're going to hear Paul show off his voice or like flex what he can do with his voice more than on this tune. Um, 
like that that final that final chorus man is unreal when he's like doing all those vocal tags and really extending the notes like that is that is paul that is the reason why he's our favorite singer is that range and that voice he has right there um i i mean the the song the songwriting like if you break it down to songwriting as well like you have to appreciate the way that it has that natural build the first riff starts and it kind of drags and the the uh the way the lyrics are broken up and the the like the lack of syllables in that first verse and then the drums kick and the the tempo kind of changes and it brings it up and i don't know man it's a very well written song the lyrics are there the music's there the production is awesome too that little the the melody in the second riff that they do on the synth there in the mix like there's this this tune's got a little bit of everything including a kick-ass solo uh played by someone who wasn't even in kiss shocker and uh and i think even eric carr plays bass on this tune because that gene gene said he didn't like this song well you know that's why i i usually gene simmons has been left out of the you know the ballads in the kiss army because he doesn't really participate too much in them and right. rightfully so, I think it, in this category, I'm think, I'm, I, I think I align more with Gene. Um, I will agree with you uh, on a few things about the song and the production. Like overall, Creatures of the Night, especially on the drums, really showcased, you know, this the new member, how great he really was, Eric Carr on drums. And it was just so bombastic. The guitars are so killer with the other new member, uh, Vinnie Vincent. Of course, like you said, there was like like like, like uh, other uh, guest guitarists on different tracks. I think, I think there's about 4,000 guitarists who play <laughs> yeah. on this record. Yeah, exactly. But Vinny, I mean, like his songs really showcase the album and his playing really showcase the album. Um, uh, but um, uh, my what was my point? My point is, um, I think Why I Still Love You stands out more to me as a ballad I don't like as opposed to, you know, maybe some of the other ballads like um, uh, Shandy even or, or, or um, Every Time I Look at You is because like it goes back to what I was saying before is Creatures of the Night to me is a near perfect album. And if you knock off I Still Love You, it's a perfect album. So you're listening to the album or I'm listening to the album uh, and it's, you know, Creatures of the Night, Saint, Saint and Sinners next. Uh, Keep Me Coming, I Love, Rock and Roll Hell, Danger. These are like incredible rock song after incredible rock song. And I Still Love You is sandwiched in between that. So it stands out more as more of a lemon to me. Whereas like, you know, albums like Hot in the Shade and Crazy Nights, I'm not really a big fan of. So a, a, a clunker ballad to me won't stand out as much as a near perfect album. You got like a near perfect record. War Machine, I Love It Loud, uh, Rock and Roll Hell, Danger, and and the title track, like those songs alone are, inc- like they would be standout tracks on anyone's album. So that's why I think I Still Love You does get the bum rap from me because it really, really gets highlighted when you're rocking to the album and then suddenly, holy cow, I got to pause for six minutes while this guy yarbles on about some girl that left him and we all know like we can never suspend disbelief when paul stanley's singing about some girl that he wants because he's made a whole career out of you know showcasing how many girls are after him so i can't believe it on a on a disbelieving level (laughs) 
and, and <laughs> suspension of disbelief. And uh, I just can't pause uh, in the middle of rocking out, listening to the whole album to, 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 to listen to this song. Another thing is why I like Lick It Up better than Creatures of the Night because those two albums to me are, you, you have to listen to in tandem. They're like sister albums. No ballads on Lick It Up. It's like from beginning to end, no ballads. You could argue that a million to one is, but no ballads. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I've always thought about why do I like Lick It Up better than Creatures? Well, it's always I Still Love You is the song that gets in the way. Lick It Up has no balance. Uh, definitely A Million to One is the closest thing to a ballad on that record. And it is another amazing Paul Stanley vocal performance. Actually, like al- almost up there with uh, I Still Love You. Yeah. But uh, I-, I think that we may have found another uh, bone of contention in our oh, yeah? uh, Kiss fandom is I will take Creatures of the Night over Lick It Up any goddamn day. Uh, 150%. Um I I don't think even though it has uh I mean like All Hell's Breaking Loose, Exciter, Young and Wasted's on that record. Like there's tons of awesome tunes. Uh fits like a glove, but uh, I will take Creatures over Lick any day. Uh so maybe that's something we got to talk about someday. But dude, I I I think that you're uh completely overlooking the power of this of I still love you. Um it doesn't have to be a six minute down on the record because it's not because it's not just uh, I mean, the first verse in its slow, clean guitar, bomber, depressing, you know, I, I get it gives off all those vibes for the first minute. But once the song kicks, man, it really does kick uh, the, the bass picks up, the drums start driving it. There's tons of electric guitar. That's the other thing like. That electric guitar kicks before the first chorus and it's like screaming and it's really emotional, dude. Um, it ha- like, and again, I'll mention the solo. Like that is an amazing solo. Uh, there's almost like a, <laughs> it's almost like a blast beat on the drums in the start of, in the start of the drum, in the start of the guitar solo, uh, you know, before it goes back to that original melody. Um, the song's got tons of heaviness. Uh, that bridge riff right before the solo, like everything's, pretty heavy and emotional um if it's not musically heavy it's emotionally heavy and i don't think you can downplay that uh in the way it flows with the record um i mean you're talking about the songs on creatures as a whole like dude totally danger is basically a speed metal song uh keep me coming is like this super sleazy song that i always kind of wanted to hear mark torian sing um this <laughs> honestly every time like since the first time i heard that i'm like oh, bullet boy singer would sound really good on that tune um uh i love it loud i mean you know those those bombastic toms uh dan beeler from exciter even told me that i love it loud was the direct inspiration for pounding metal those toms the way those toms are produced and how prominent they are in the mix so i mean this record is definitely heavy and definitely has tons of heavy metal undertones but uh I think to just single out I Still Love You as six minutes and six seconds of of ballad is not giving the song its due or nearly enough credit for what it brings to the table. Well, I agree with you on... Okay, your points are are all valid. I mean, it's hard to argue uh, with all the points that you just made. However, I will try. So the intro of uh, I Still Love You 
I'm glad you made a note of that because it is not just you called it what dark and down. I call it like pedestrian and amateurish. That 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 like like guitar picking intro like just makes my eyes roll. Like, do we need another one of these? Like, we can go to any guitar class um, and and hear some some aspiring guitar student play this. I mean, I I've always thought it was just kind of like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I would do something like that, and I expect more from a Vinny or from a Paul. Um, so you know, I don't I don't know about that. And then going back to how, where you place Lick It Up to Creatures of the Night, I mean, that's the reason why I've always wondered uh, the debate in my head which album was better, and my final conclusion was based on no ballads on Lick It Up. However, I'm surprised you put Creatures over Lick It Up, considering the opening track of Lick It Up is really, come on, man, that should be, if it isn't already, your theme song, your, the song that you wake up to in the morning and, and live your, your life. Ah, dude, uh, the this exciter came out in 1983. I've already got an exciter that way predates that. Judas Priest did it first, and they did it a lot better, man. Oh, you're right about that. You're right about that. But Kiss's exciter... Um, is phenomenal. It's a great opening cut. And I mean, are you really willing to debate me on creatures and lick it up? I mean, they're really similar. They're totally similar. I think that they're both like a continuation of what we started to see on uh, the, the new studio tracks on killers. When that compilation came out, um, I think it was kiss trying to get back to that. I mean, hard rock heavy metal sound there's no doubt that they are uh sister albums for sure um but i can confidently say that i take creatures over lick it up any day well i think the reason why lick it up is just harder from like beginning to end all 10 tracks is because i think there was there was maybe some sort of underlying thing where okay we're taking off the makeup we're losing a bit of our uh, mystique we're losing a bit of the dark kind of you know uh, creatures of the night like this evil horror show with the that the makeup and the costumes brought so we have to make sure that we're heavy on the musical end um from beginning to end i think there was uh some sort of um i don't know making up for something they thought they perceived to be that they were losing i would i should say um and that's why lick it up ended up being such a heavy album for as the first non-makeup album and then later on in the non-makeup period as we all know it just devolved into like a cheese fondue um but lick it up hey just... man i like fondue fondue's delicious hey <laughs> I, I like it too i like i like a lot of the non-makeup era as well but like the way they started the non-makeup era was like a foot in the right direction and yeah creatures was the was the precursor to all of that. It set the tone for everything because they did have some sort of success. So they continued on. But um, yeah, I think, I think this whole ballads thing is, is, is where it's, it, it, it originates for me that I've never been a fan of ballads. I've always, back in the day when I would buy cassettes, I would fast forward over the ballad of any uh, band's album that I bought um, I never liked it. I, I, it's so, 
we get into heavy metal and hard rock and punk rock. There's no ballads in punk rock. We get into these kinds of musics because we like it fast and heavy. And the ballads were such a foil to all that and such... um, and I think Paul's even mentioned this. It was just a stab at trying to get play on the radio. It was, it, to me, it was all, I perceived it as um, trying to please the the other team, trying to please those outside the Kiss Army. Because the Kiss Army, we liked it hard and we liked it heavy. And if you do a ballad, you're kind of trying to please the other people and uh you know the people who like beth or the people who like nothing else matters they they'll never like creeping death they'll they'll never like war machine um and so that's why i've always disliked ballads and of course i do have a a small list of ballads i do like um but you know i don't know there's a reason for why that i like them and it's not because they're trying to take a stab at radio play. Do you like Forever? No, I absolutely hate it. Um, I really, really hate it. I, I mean, I, I think I can say that because, you know, we're in a safe, this is a safe zone, you and I. Um, yeah. We're two, obviously two KISS uh, fanatics. And amongst the KISS army, we can say whatever we want about our favorite band. So, yeah, no, I, I just... I think it's disgusting. I can't stand looking at Paul in the video and Gene is just sitting there and you know he's eye rolling in his head and he's wearing like a crew neck sweater. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, it's disgusting, I think is the funniest thing I've ever heard you say to describe a Kiss song before. Uh, that That music video is uh, perhaps a little bit over the top, but the band was a little bit over the top in that era and the way they looked. Um I've always kind of wondered about that room they did it in, though. That's a pretty cool-looking room with the sun shining in through the windows and the the weird, like, S design in the window. I always kind of wondered about that. Yeah, it's like and, some basement church or something. Yeah, it's like very weird churchy vibes. And, like, why does Gene Simmons need a music stand in that music video? Yeah. That's the other thing I want. That's wondered. what like, I want to know. Yeah, it's like some really intense, uh, like, notes on that. Or is that just he looking at porn or something? It seems a lot more believable. Right. He's wearing a crew neck sweater. Yeah, he's wearing a crew neck sweater. He's sitting down. He has a music stand. Like, dude, Paul Stanley's playing an acoustic guitar and not sitting down. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely Paul's time to shine. He's he's taking it for he's he thinks forever. I think it was wasn't it co-written by Michael Bolton? Yes, that is the Michael Bolton tune. Yeah, well, he thinks Bolton's going to get him up back to Beth, you know, like it's so That's crazy. It, it, it it's it's a crazy terrible song. I'm sorry, I'm team Paul at all times, but but I love Paul and but forever I, I'm not on I'm not on board for forever or reason to live. Oh my God! Every time uh, I look at you, I—I I mean, are you serious? It's yeah, terrible. Every time I look at you is bad. Um, I kind of like the—I mean, from a musical standpoint, I kind of like the the acoustic guitar in the beginning of that one. It sounds right. like it could be twelve string, to be honest. Okay. Um, but uh, I—you know—I never even liked Shandy, man, and I love Unmasked. Ah, uh, I love Unmasked too, and I can't stand Shandy too. Yeah, there's a reason why it was only popular in Australia. Um, uh, reason to live. I don't know. Million to one. These are all like the more cheesy of the kiss tunes. I think Odyssey. Um, are you kidding me? Odyssey. Odyssey. Is- I, wow. That one, the uh, off, off, uh, Eld- yeah, the elder. Yeah. Are you kidding? That's, I, I, I didn't even think we were going to talk about the elder, but I mean, 
I don't hate that record at all. Uh, and I'm kind of guilty of liking some of the weirder songs off Elder. I do like Under the Rose. I don't know if that kind of uh, classifies as a ballad. I think I think it does, right? Yeah, Under the Rose. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not really sure. It's kind of like a million to one. Yeah, it's on the cusp. Um, or I don't know, man. Elder yeah. has some. Elder has some ripping tunes. Uh, like pretty much the opposite of ballads. Like the Oath is like a straight up hair metal riff i love it um but that's what everyone says when they try to like uh, argue for the elder they always bring up that song in i and i'm like well yeah it's gotta have something (laughs) i mean you know it's gotta have something at least yeah sure but you know a lot of people are so adamant about liking elder with these two rock songs and it's like well every rock album's got at least two good rock songs even you know, even if we pan it, you know, like even if it's it's crap, there's two at least two good songs on every rock album. You know what I mean? Right. Well, what what about that silly uh, Ace Freely shuffle song, uh, uh, Dark Light? The, the Anton Fig, Lou Reed co-wrote on it. Uh, dark the Dark Light Ace Freely song. That song's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's it's awesome because it's like oh my god, like the the <laughs> the voice of reason. You know, you kind of like go oh my god. You, 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 Ace is like a friendly voice in the in the black. You know, on that album, when you hear his voice, you immediately, immediately shuffle back to, you know, all the songs you've heard Ace's voice on. And you don't know what it is. <laughs> I love that tune. But I, I can't, you know, I, I can't say I, I listen to Elder. I mean, I can't say I listen to Hot in the Shade and Crazy Nights either very regularly. Um, so, you know, whatever. But I've always felt every time there's been a Kiss ballad is like, oh, here they go again, trying to like reclaim what they got with Beth, you know. Right. So... That that's always been my my thing about it. But there's you know I keep I will say this about I still love you. I I did want to make this point. There is one thing I like about the song in terms of Paul's delivery. There you know is the um, you know but if you gotta go then you gotta know. Those lines are great. I mean in terms of singing and vocalizing and I, I did I did like how he how he played with that way of singing and. So so uh, I will give the song that, but everything else is just like, I feel like, okay, Paul, you've dragged us through six minutes of you whining about this girl. We get it, you know, get over it. I, I, I love that we can tangent off and talk about four other Kiss records and then come back to the, the task at hand. Um, <laughs> dude, totally back, back to I Still Love You. Um, it keeps coming up because I think there's a lot of merit in pointing this out. Again, is his vocal, and and you even acknowledge the delivery. I'll go even further to say, like, and to reiterate, this is Paul at his vocal peak. Um, this is through and through a Paul song. It's not just like uh, you know, Heaven's on Fire's got the little the little Paul thing at the start, and you know when people generally talk about, hey, what's your favorite Paul Stanley vocal or your favorite you know scream that Paul Stanley does. A lot of people will throw that out there, but you can't overlook that I Still Love You more than a ballad, more than anything, more than six minutes of, you know, fast forwarding if you're Danko Jones. Listen, this tune is all about the vocals. Um, It's about the way he delivers it throughout the whole song, but specifically towards the end. 
uh, where he really, he holds that note and he does that final really long chorus with all the little vocal tags. He really loves you. He still loves you, baby. Hear what he has to say. He loves you, loves you, loves you. Like that is really like Paul giving it everything he got. If I could be a fly on the wall in the studio while he laid that down, I would be so happy. That would be awesome for me. Um, even even live, dude. Like when they finished the song live on the Unplugged album, uh, like Gene Simmons instantly. It's like you know after Ace Freely finishes a 14 minute solo, Paul you know Paul always throws out a Ace Freely lead guitar, you know, and Gene does the same for Paul after that tune, and he just says, "Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Stanley." Like there's nothing else to say. That is a Paul Stanley song through and through. It's his obvious moment in the set to shine. Whether it was during uh, the tour in that era, whether it was during the 90s when they were playing it live, or the, when they played it in 96 on the acoustic record, that is Paul's real moment to shine in the set. Um, also, for a ballad, it does have a lot of uh, guitar uh, squiddly diddlies going on. There is like, uh, there's like a little guitar solo after the first chorus. And then there's that really like the two-part guitar solo at the end. Uh, there's a lot of overdriven, like distorted guitars and heavy toms as well. Like, I really think there's way more to this song than just being a ballad. And perhaps the problem is that you've been fast forwarding it all these years. You're only hearing that first verse, buddy. You're only hearing that first verse. <laughs> well, maybe you found me out, but uh... <laughs> I get it. That first verse, it sounds like Paul's walking down the street alone with his acoustic. He's, he's kicking a Pepsi can. He's having a real rough day, but then the band kicks in and, you know, they bring it up and it's a dude, that is a rocking tune. And I forever believe that that tune uh, has a perfect place on Creatures of the Night and it belongs on that record and it sounds like it should be there. Okay, well, listen, you are you are building his his vocals on this song to be it sounds like it's the best delivery on the album. And it isn't. The best delivery on the album is Creatures of the Night, man. Yeah, or I would I would make a case for Creatures or even Danger, dude. Yeah, Danger is good. But like, you know, remember when the clock strikes 12, just the way he delivers <laughs> that line, the losers always win. I, I love it. And, and I, I will say this. The reason why Gene uh, has to say, like, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Stanley, isn't because like Paul has outshined everyone and deserves the spotlight and deserves the recognition. It's Gene Simmons going, hey, this is Paul's thing, not mine. <laughs> He's distancing himself from this song, man. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Paul Stanley. And by the way, Eric Carr played bass. Yeah, exactly. Not me. <laughs> uh, it, it's really funny on on the note of Eric Carr playing bass. Um, I always so I never knew Eric Carr played bass on it till way later. Obviously, till everyone started writing their tell all books and throwing right. everyone under the bus. Yeah. Um, so when I when I would first hear that song, I would always be like, "Whoa, man! Like Gene is Gene really knows how to accent with bass notes the way he does those big ringing E's in the beginning." <laughs> I'm like, "Man, that is." that is really neat like that suits the song so well and little did i know no that's just a drummer playing bass because that's that's what a drummer would do he'd hit the open e and be like oh wow that sounds cool <laughs> well i mean it just it just goes to show that you know eric carr was was great i mean he was totally. able to go from obscurity and join a worldwide legendary band with ease you know in in all in all positions i mean he's great 
he he's amazing yeah dude totally uh i mean um uh, how can i say this oh i know exactly how to say this my favorite eric that ever played in the band Right. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. dude, hundred percent. Right. I mean, uh, so much emotion in uh, in this Eric's playing. The other one's a little bit like a robot. Okay. Um. Yeah. Don't want to step on anyone there, but uh, you know, I get it. I'm a huge Eric Carr fan. Uh, yeah. Huge. And uh, everyone is. I think everyone is. Every, really. Yeah. There's. There's. I. I. I don't think I've ever found anyone who's who said a bad thing or a negative critic criticizing Eric Carr at all. No, and, and, and not at all. And and a cool thing about the Eric Carr situation is, I mean, KISS has had a million members, uh, some in uh, past members, some in better standing than others. Um, you know, some are invited into the family. Uh, like, as I'm sure you know, Bruce Kulik uh, gets invited to do the KISS cruises now, and he's yeah. got uh, an amazing, amazing band with him, uh, oh, made, yeah. up of a, made up of a couple of our buddies, yeah. and they sound amazing. Um, so guys like that are always welcome with open arms, but they're certain that are completely estranged from the family and, you know, are uh, not welcome in these spots. Uh, the family of Eric Carr is always uh, welcome in the Kiss family. And I saw that uh, most recently at a Kiss Expo. I met Eric's sister and uh, and uh, it's just like, the, the, you know, everyone knows her and everyone knows the whole family. And they're welcome with open arms to all the Kiss events because everybody knows that Eric was stolen from the world way too early, far too young to pass. And he really was an incredible talent in the band. And I think that everyone kind of wishes that his tenure wasn't cut short, short with the band, man. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. I mean, <clears throat> I, yeah, his drumming is phenomenal. It was so easy to see that kiss got better when he joined them. Um, and Peter Chris would never have been able to pull off the non-makeup era that albums that they eventually made, you know, um, just the beginning of Asylum, like, yeah, so, yeah, stuff like that, I mean, holy smokes. Forget Asylum, what about the opening track on Animalize? I've had enough, Into the Fire, it's like, dude. Those two albums, again, are like sister albums, Animalize and Asylum. And I kind of get them mixed up sometimes. But uh, yeah, I think it's Animalize that I'm thinking where Eric starts the record. And uh, yeah, you just got to... No, you know, you know what I think you're confusing and you're not confusing is that both Animalize and Asylum perhaps have two of the best opening tracks of all of the non-makeup era. It's you're thinking of King of the Mountain with Eric Carr, man. That is a fucking banging tune as well, dude. That Which one starts awesome with tune. the drums? Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, I've had enough into the fires, that speed metal riff in the beginning, uh, with the huge dive bomb in it. Uh, yeah. you're thinking of King of the Mountain. I'm thinking of King of the Mountain Asylum. Yeah. yeah I was yeah, right yeah. the first time. Yeah. Dude, both those are super power opening tracks. Yeah. Um, cause they're, they're so similar. I, 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 uh, I get them mixed up a lot. Um, because when I was growing up, I had them on cassette. I, I, I mix up Asylum a lot with Animalize. Uh, maybe it's also because they both start with A. They're back-to-back. And it was around the time that... Yeah, it was around that same era. So I, I get them mixed up quite a bit. Asylum is, of course, the introduction of Bruce Kulik into the band. Mark St. John is on Animalize after the fast and swift departure of Vinnie Vincent. Um, yeah, yeah. 
but I, I dude, uh, Asylum's got amazing tunes. Has one of my favorite of the more mellow Kiss songs, which is "Tears Are Falling." One, one of my, my favorite. favorites. Top dude, 10. totally. Dude, oh my that God. that Bruce solo is yep. absolutely perfect. Yep. It's, it's really funny. Uh, they they reintroduced "Tears Are Falling" into the set at some point in the two thousands uh, when Tommy was in the band, and uh, bless his soul. To hear him try and play that solo is absolutely uh, hysterical as a guitar player. I'm sitting there watching it live, kind of biting my tongue, still throwing my arms in the air. But, like, no one can do that. There was no guitar player in Kiss that could play those licks like Bruce played those licks. He is uh, – I, I would go as far not, – not as far. It's not even a stretch. After Ace, he's by far my favorite Kiss guitarist. Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. come on. Yeah, of course, there's come nothing. It's, it's Bruce, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would agree with you on that. And, and I agree with you on The Tears Are Falling. It's one of my favorite songs. And Who Wants to Be Lonely is great as well. And, really good tune. I mean, if I had the song list in front of me, I could go through it all. But yeah, it's consistently, uh, I think, a little better than Animalize. Although, you know, Animalize had the the big hits, you know, the like, giant, yeah. Heaven's on fire is the huge one on that. Thrills, thrills in, in the, the night. night. I love thrills in the night more than heaven's on fire. And, and then there was all those other, I, the thing is there's, I thought there was a lot of filler on animal eyes. Um, so, uh, that's whereas asylum, not as much filler. Um, it, <laughs> murder in high heels, murder perhaps. in high heels. It was the absolute filler, yeah, album track you could put on it's it was pointless, um, but I think that was also that was a Gene song and that was in the era that you know is obviously talked about how Gene was absent a lot of the time and you could see it on tracks like that. Totally, um, it's cool. At, at a Kiss con, I met uh, Gene Bouvoir, John Bouvoir, Gene Bouvoir uh, from Plasmatics, and ah, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, right. I knew uh, I knew that he was the co-write on Thrills in the Night. And I'm like, dude, Thrills in the Night, one of my favorite Kiss <laughs> tunes. It's pretty cool. Well, that's – and that goes back to like, you know, Gene and he, like not only being in movies but then producing and all this stuff and just doing everything but what Paul wanted him to do, which is, you know, just write songs and kiss, which isn't a bad job, you know, anyway. So. But I also understand – uh, Gene Simmons and his in the cabin fever of you know not only just finally you've taken off the makeup and you can be yourself and he had all these other interests and uh, now people knew him and and he was taking advantage of that so I, I understand it from Gene's perspective it's always been from Paul's perspective and and I am Team Paul and how Gene was wrong and Paul was right but in a way I can see why Gene wanted to spread his wings a little bit. Well, yeah, what's the really, really bad uh, Tom Selleck movie he did? Uh, oh, Wanted uh, Dead or Alive, right? No, no, no. That's that's the that's the really bad one. There's he did that Tom Selleck with the spiders. Uh, yeah, isn't that, uh, isn't that Runaway? No, no, run, Runaway. No, run, runaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Runaway, yeah. dude. That was a really bad movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, those spiders that inject the poison in your neck or whatever. And, <laughs> and Trick like, or Treat as well. He was he was in Trick. Yeah, or treat. he was in Trick or Treat with Ozzy, right? Yeah, but you know. I do want to say something because I started off the the podcast saying ballads don't belong in rock music, and I am, I do, I do stand behind that statement. But mm-hmm. I did want to say because if we post this, it's going to be a nonstop barrage of like, what about this song? So I will say this: these are my favorite ballads 
non-kiss ballads, rock, hard rock ballads that kicked off an era that, that I Still Love You kicked off. He, they kicked off this era. Um, although two of them were pre I Still Love You. Um, Alone Again by Dawkins is my favorite <laughs> rock ballad of all time. <laughs> awesome. It is my favorite awesome. rock ballad of all time. Of all time. I love it. It's top 25 songs of my life. I love that song. Uh, that's why George Lynch will always, I love his solo in it. It's, that's why he's one of my favorite guitarists of all time. Um, Close My Eyes Forever with Lita Ford and Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, of course, November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. And then Before I Still Love You era, Goodbye to Romance by Ozzy Osbourne and uh, Changes. Uh, by Black Sabbath. So three of my favorite ballads have Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> but, but Alone Again is my favorite ballad of all time. You know, that's that's awesome, uh, Doc and Rules. Uh, it's funny that you bring up Ozzy with ballads, though. He almost, because of the nature of his voice, yeah, uh, his ballads almost don't feel like ballads. Yeah. Um, there is, I, I 100%, there, there are, let's look at changes. There are, very very few bands and even like mama i'm coming home which is even more extreme there are very few bands that i would tolerate a piano ballad or an acoustic ballad uh like those two songs from if it wasn't aussie related um there is something to say about aussie's voice and the way he's able to deliver a ballad without it being a snore fest a hundred percent it's so weird but you know. i can't really put my finger on it you know the other Another band that I think is a huge exception in ballads and just mellow songs in general is Thin Lizzy. Um, yeah, that's I, another I, voice. Absolutely. Like, I think songs like Southbound, like, you know, perhaps. Is that a, is that a ballad? It's totally a mellow tune, is it not? I, I, I mean, so. the, thing, the, thing about, the thing about Lizzy is like perhaps songs that aren't total ballads, but they have um, a lot of mellow songs for what's supposed to be a hard rock band they do have a lot of like slower more melodic just like good songwriting kind of tunes and again there's something about phil's voice where just it doesn't bother me at all like i i wouldn't listen to like mid-tempo and slow tempo tunes from most hard rock bands but as soon as lizzie does it it's uh it's just something about the way they do it it's just like kind of perfect for them even on like uh their live record supposed to be uh you know like live and dangerous like <laughs> like you know you get this idea that every song's gonna sound like cold sweat or jailbreak or something and then like you start listening to it and like right off the top they're going into to southbound and rosalie and like you know songs that are just got a little bit more substance to them than your average hard rock song and it doesn't matter that they're more mid-tempo or or more mellow tunes they're, that's another band that is a total exception for me in like doing slow jams. I really do like uh, Thin Lizzy when they're, when they're playing slow. Yeah, same with me. And maybe uh, I made that statement uh, disregarding Ozzy and Thin Lizzy because the ballads didn't stick out as much as when like an 80s rock band does it. It just seems so out of character for them to do that. Um, so that's why... I Still Love You sticks out so much for me with, with Kiss and, and all their other ballads because they're these guys dressed up and whether it's non-makeup or makeup, they, they are dressed up, you know, more so than your average person walking the street at all times that this ballad sticking out is just, I can't suspend disbelief. And uh, 
buy what they're selling when they do the ballads. But Ozzy, Phil, yeah. They, they sell it. Yeah, I can do it. I could t- I'm totally on board. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that before, you know, just to avoid a tsunami of of <laughs> of people just like tweeting at me going, you're wrong. Yeah, you know that this is just going to be, you're right. You're actually, you've done enough uh, topics on podcasts to know exactly how people respond to these type of blanket statements like, we don't like ballads in, in rock and roll. So you knew it right right away. As soon as you said it, I'm like, yeah, dude, totally. People are going to start listing off specific songs and be like, what about Cinderella, Nobody's Fool? And, you Great know, song. What about, Great yeah, song. <laughs> dude, Tom, Tom Kiefer, another dude that totally sells it with yeah. his voice. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, people, I mean, Def Leppard's got tons of ballads. Dawkins got ballads. Uh, Faster Adam- Pussycat, House of Pain. Yeah. People are going to throw that one out there, even though that one perhaps maybe shouldn't have happened. But anyways, um, you know, uh, it's it's funny. Uh, I like that November Rain was on your list. I wouldn't have even thought of that. Same with Patience. Gun- Gunners have good ballads, to be honest. November really- Rain is just like, that's a that's an epic opera onto itself you know yeah yeah seriously they really i mean it's like to, to be in that writing room for that it's like all right we're gonna do a ballad but we're doing it our way we're gonna it's like way over the top and it's like it is it's it's a total epic in itself you're right i remember before use your illusion came out axel is saying if if certain songs don't get produced the way he hears them the album isn't coming out and i thought well, how good can they be like to, to hold on to that? And then I heard November Rain and I said to myself, I remember this is probably the song he meant, you know, like imagine having this song in your head and it's got to be perfect. And he's right. right, you know, so. Yeah. And, and they got the music video to prove it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. it's epic. Everything about that is it had to be epic. It's the only way to go. And of course, you know, the timing couldn't have been better being in the, in the, I guess, late 80s, early 90s when everybody had a budget, you know, as opposed to these days. Yeah, yeah, like the, the $3 million. Uh, like, dude, it, I, I often think about that guitar solo scene in the desert <laughs> in that music video. And I'm like, like, how did they pull that off in that era with the drone technology that would have right. primitive, primitive drone technology that would have existed? Like, that is a... That is an insane shot. Like that shot alone is is like the budget of what some music videos are today. Like helicopter is the drone, I guess, right? An actual yeah. helicopter? Like yeah, yeah, but before we had drones, we had, you know, people flying helicopters. Yeah. S- some dude hanging out the side with a camera. I think that's why his hair is blowing so much, right? Like the Oh, I never even considered that, dude, of course. Yeah. Dude, that is yeah, dude, I I mean, that's funny. Ballads don't belong in rock and roll, right, Danko? They don't, man. They don't. <laughs> I, I, if you note, I only have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Only six. And Hard Luck Woman, seven. That's it. I'm and, done. And, no, and Nobody's Fool, eight. Eight. And That's Van it. Halen, love, and love Walks In, nine. No, no, you're on your own. No, no, no. I'm you're, kidding. You're, you're on your own. Uh, but hey, man! Thanks a lot for doing this. This is awesome. As we, uh, as you're over there and I'm here in the same city, you would be here right in front of me usually. Dude, you know what? I'm so bummed that I'm drinking coffee alone right now. I'm so bummed that we're not going to go for our, our lunch after this. We usually have like this is uh, 
this is a new way of doing this and uh we're just adapting with the times buddy yep and depending how long our isolation lasts because uh who knows how long they're gonna do this for for the whole world we can keep doing this. I mean, just this talk alone, I, I think I've sniffed out a couple more uh, bones of contention. Well, dude, uh, you're absolutely right. There's no shortage of bones of contention with the hottest band in the world because the catalog is so deep and we're both such diehard fans that, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to, to find something to argue about because we're both so passionate about it and one thing that we always like to say in these episodes is for everyone listening is like you're listening to two of the biggest kiss fans you'll ever meet so any jabs we take at band members or songs or eras or decisions they made it's all in good fun it's all in a love and admiration for the hottest band in the world I still except for ballads apparently Love you. 